She leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. Great big hello, everybody. Welcome to a new guest episode. I'm very excited to introduce you to Susan today. So in a moment, I'm going to share her bio and then we'll get into some conversation. Like if you're a long-term listener to She Leads, She Thrives, you'll know how kind of our flow of our guest episodes go. If you're new to She Leads, She Thrives, let me just remind you, I'm Shannon Dunn. I am your host here, a long-term self-leadership and business coach. And I, you know, one of the greatest things I love about hosting a podcast is getting to bring fabulous, inspiring, smart, wise women to you in this medium and to have a really cool conversation. So Susan, how long, is it maybe two years almost when we first connected? connected? Yeah, yeah right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we first met doing some early probably masterclasses and programs with Annie Gaturi. So if you haven't listened to the episode with Annie, I'm pretty sure it's episode 10. We'll tag it in the show notes. So Susan and I then went on to do her program represented and then we were both ended up being in kind of like a mastermind experience in this year, 2023, uh, which has been so fun like to get to know you better, but to share that experience of working with Annie, challenging ourselves, each other, um, having Annie challenge us about how to lead a more racially inclusive business, right? It's been such a cool thing to do. So that may come up into this, but you have a whole different expertise that I'm very excited to talk about. So, all right, let me show your bio and then we'll get into some, some questions. So Susan Ryuk is a maverick in the copywriting world. I love that you claim that maverick status. <laughs> so good, so good, because you are. In my experience of you, definitely. She's known for her killer web copy skills and digital strategy informed by a decade-long user experience, UX career. Her unique approach has seen her featured in top-tier publications like Copy Hackers, Writers in Tech, The Freelancers Year, and The Content Byte. That's spelled B-Y-T-E for anyone who's not sure about the right kind of bite there. Her free new weekly newsletter, The UX Factor, which I love receiving. I think you're the only copywriter I actually say consistently. Oh, my Subscribe to, right? That's an honour. Her UX group coaching program for copywriters beyond web copy, a go-to resource for online business owners and copywriters looking for the right words and strategy to skyrocket their success. How cool That's is it. that? Right? That's me. Got to be bold. <laughs> I actually don't think we have yet had a copywriter. Oh, really? As a guest. No, oh. I don't think so. Like I'm just kind of like just kind of doing a little mental note all the way back through. So we definitely haven't had a US co- copywriter, right? UX copywriter. So we're going to no. get to that. But I love a good founder story and I've kind of found myself studying the conversations with those more. Cool. And I, I have heard your founder story, which I think yeah. is interesting around how you ended up being a copywriter and then we'll get to how you ended up being a UX copywriter. So tell us the story. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're kind of entwined and I find I love listening to founder stories too, particularly of copywriters because we've all come from these weird and wonderful sort of backgrounds. A lot of us have tried different stuff. Um, And I actually am a little bit different from a lot of copywriters because I got started in user experience or UX writing Um, So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's they're probably more familiar with UX design, which is designing things like apps, but I was doing the words part of it um, for booking.com, which is a big global brand, Um, living in Amsterdam, cycling around the canals, living my dream life. Um, And I came back to Australia. The thing was that I got started so early in that industry that it didn't actually have a name yet. We weren't known as UX writers then. So I'm total maverick. 
the thing we did didn't even have a name yet yeah we have a name yet or not that I was aware of so I came back to Australia and I was like well I'm a copywriter yeah and I started pitching myself for all these copywriting jobs and they were so different from the stuff that I had been doing before um long story short I eventually got a job as a like you know what we think of as a conversion copywriter um doing landing pages doing SEO doing web um, content and um, but what I really found was that my user experience background really informed my copywriting um, and then when I went out on my own and started my own business um, after I had kids I started my own business which is something I've always wanted to do and I found that I was getting also UX clients so helping people build their digital products um, and a lot of my conversion copywriting experience was informing that so that's where the UX copywriting um, mm. sort of thing came together where I was like I don't see how I can separate these two and they're both helping me do both the jobs that I'm doing really really well I think there's something there no one else is talking about it I'm going to start talking about it yes. um, and UX copywriting as sort of you know, I I talk about it was born. So yeah, it's exciting. Very cool. It's a very pioneering of you. <laughs> I love it. Now, in case anybody who's listening though is not sure of the answer to this, because we're going to dive in more into the UX mm. piece. Clarify what copywriting is for us. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, sure. I know. But I've also seen over the years of being in business such a long time now, so many copywriters of your kind sharing what the difference is between copywriting and having a copyright, right? Yes. That confusion. So <laughs> yes. clarify it in case anyone's... Everyone thinks we're lawyers. Yeah, yeah right? Yes, totally. I was like the first few times I remember seeing that and it was multiple times, I'm like, are you serious? Like I don't know kind of how I always knew the seemingly knew the difference, but that shocked me that there were so many kind of copywriters confessing that they don't do copyright and copyright law and, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's a straight, like that felt so strange to me that they kind of wanted to make sure people realised. And I was like, yeah. oh, obviously a thing. Well, people on the street, if you just, if you know, you're a barbecue and people ask you what you do, if you say, oh, I'm a copywriter, most people will immediately think of copyright law and think yeah. that you do copyright something symbol. within that. Yeah. I think people that are in the online business world have often written their own copy yes. for their websites, their sales pages, their emails. So they're a little bit more familiar with what copy and copywriting is. Yeah. Um, but for anyone who is just completely in the dark, um, hi, welcome. I'm so glad <laughs> that I get to be the first point of introduction <laughs> to the copywriting world. So essentially it's all about the words that sell products and it really um you know a point of reference that has helped all copywriters become a little bit better known um is Mad Men yes. you know Don Draper sitting there thinking up campaigns and slogans that's sort of like the origin of copywriting where it was print media old of course school. now old school marketing but like brand agencies but god so different to what they would be now right yeah yeah mm. although I think there still is a place for that yeah. yes um you know we still see billboards um there's still television ads there's still um print media still newspapers out there magazines, magazines that kind yeah. of thing um but really like and that's where the UX or the user experience part becomes so important because the words that I write are all digital they're for websites predominantly, also for sales pages and funnels, landing pages, emails, things like that, with the purpose to sell. Mm, yeah, which is yeah. important to understand for sure. So it's like, okay, which question would we start with around the whole UX thing? Because you've told us a little bit about what it is. But yes. dive in a little bit more mm. as to how different it is to, I guess, that general perception people have of copywriters and copywriting. Mm, yeah. Like what is the user and the experience bit all about? Like what makes it different to our probably ignorant assumptions or understanding of copywriters and what you Yeah, what for you sure. Create? For sure. Well, I think like all anyone who writes copy for digital, so anyone who writes yep. like anything that's going to appear on the internet, will have an impact on the user experience. Mm. Um, and the user experience is exactly what it sounds like. Someone who is using 
that website or that sales page to get information and ultimately buy the thing um, or inquire about the thing, um, depending on, you know, yeah, how people buy the thing, get in touch, whatever it is. Um, but then there is also a whole sort of um, science, philosophy, industry of UX or user experience, mm-hmm. and that's like over decades because it has been going for a while. It might not have had a name, but it has been sort of talked about and developing for quite a few decades. Even, like I think back to doing my original business qualifications and doing like my marketing units particularly and they were talking about being user focused so that's yes yeah yes and they're sort of yeah totally so it's 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 three things it's the user it's the experience the user has it's also a whole range of laws philosophies principles that have been developed and tested and tried that sort of are like um theories a good starting place and then there's the practice of user experience where you are you know, testing, iterating, trying things, putting it in front of people, researching, um, asking the consumer directly what they, you know, what they're going through, what their experience is, and seeing how they're using that product. Because a website is just like a can opener in a way. It's something, it's a tool that someone uses to do something, Um, you know, so it's about developing that in a way that's super user-friendly. And I think when I first heard you talking about UX copywriting and the UX experience and heard you sharing about how much in depth you go into researching and you know and surveying and getting feedback from the users it was intended for whatever the thing is that you're writing creating sharing that surprised me in some ways it did then it made complete sense but I was like I think about other copywriters that I've known worked with has clients over the years that don't do that. And I was like, oh, here's the difference, right? That real commitment to going so much further to understand the user and what they want, need, whatever, to make that whole experience phenomenal and to lead to sales. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I love about it because, well, one, because I don't have to think up stuff myself. I just know the questions to ask to get the answers that I need to write the things. So it makes it so much easier from my perspective. But also you're providing a win for the end user because they're having this amazing experience and they're getting all their questions answered and they're not getting frustrated, um, you know, and they're, they're able to do the thing that they want to do quickly and easily. And also then there's the business win as well because if you've got more people doing that, they're more likely to lead to more sales as well. And you know that your messaging is resonating. Yeah. So I can kind of hear and sense a lot of obvious benefits about taking a UX approach with copywriting. What would you say are some of the benefits, even if you just come up with a couple, that people don't actually tend to realise or see or acknowledge? Yeah. Mm. Really so important to people understanding what UX copywriting and why you you know, take that approach is actually, you know, why that's as important as it is. Yeah, well, I think, okay, a couple of things. I think that, um, you know, when it's your own business and you're really close to it, it's easy and this is like no shade on anyone. I, I own my own business and I've been there. Like you can, it's really easy to get in your own head and focus on what you think is important. When really we're there, if we're service providers or even if we sell products, we're there to serve our clients and our customers. So it just helps make sure that we're not just telling someone what we think is important, but we're actually in dialogue and listening to what they find is important. And really the ultimate benefit is that, you know, it it helps you make more sales. It helps you grow as a company. And because part of UX is about iterating, So, for example, I launched a digital product um, last year, around this time last year, um, and it went really well and I got some feedback. I made some sales. It wasn't a raving success, but it was enough to go, okay, this is a good idea. This is a solid idea. So now I've just invested the money that I made on that into a designer to make it a real whiz-bang product and I will relaunch it. And I've tweaked and amended my um, my messaging based on the feedback that I got. So I know that this time it will be more successful. So for me, it's a sustainable way to not only write copy, but also it's how I approach my business. It's pretty much how I approach everything in my life because I'm like, you can just keep listening, um, keep getting that feedback and keep improving and no, feel like you're a little bit more on track. I feel like so often in the online business world, it all feels 
a little bit like luck, um, you know, or a little bit like, oh, I don't know if this will work. Let's just try something, throw spaghetti at the wall. Like to me, this feels definitely a lot of that goes on, isn't yeah. it? A lot. A lot. <laughs> Sometimes the spaghetti sticks and it's good. Yeah. Sometimes it falls right off or kind of slowly takes a slow kind of dive to the floor. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, when you have a curious nature, which I know you do like me, like we we like to ask why, we like to know, we like to understand, we like to educate ourselves so that we can put the, I guess, the best possible thing at this time forward yeah. into the world. Such a different experience, both receiving it as the user, but also delivering yeah. it, right? Sharing yeah. it, creating it. Totally. totally. Yeah. And I, I know that something that a lot of my clients struggle with, and this might resonate with people listening mm-hmm. to, is that they actually feel really uncomfortable selling their thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people come in and they're really um, purpose or values driven and they want to do the thing and they want to help people, but they don't want to ask for money and they don't want to sound pushy or grabby or any of those things. And when you're really focused on the user and just meeting their needs, it kind of takes that feeling of hard sell away because you're solving a problem for people. I'm glad you brought up the selling thing. Yeah, because I was going to ask you a question about that for sure. Because I think it's such an important thing because we we know this through our own lived experience with, I guess, ourselves, our clients. But it's also a common thing shared in the business space, no matter what your kind of industry or expertise is, is that all the stuff about sales and selling, that mm. you know, how hard it is, how horrible it is, how I don't want to be seen or perceived by this, I don't want to be judged like this. So, like, there's so many self-imposed I feel barriers mm. to these to selling and yeah. then, how do we expect people to buy like seriously yeah. like I find it such an interesting thing and I know years ago I changed the language I used around selling not so much for me but around my ideal clients around you said they're very values driven they really want to show that they cared and they didn't want to come across as a pushy or you know it's like yeah but you have a business you need to ask people to buy from you yes um but it kind of changed that whole narrative or the word I guess the language around sales and selling to it's an invitation you're inviting people to join Mm. you and by the way they have to pay to be part Mm. of the thing you've invited them to Mm. just like you're inviting someone to go to a concert with you they yeah. pay for your tickets, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of that kind of thing. And that made a shift for people. But I can see how the UX approach can definitely make selling easier because you is not that, I guess, that mindset so much potentially of, I think, what is this something I heard this morning? Someone was talking about the difference between being convicted in what you've got to share and being convincing, having to mm. feel, convince people to get the thing you've got to share. Yeah. You've just given two really powerful examples of how important the words are that Mm. we use and how those subtle changes can actually have a really big impact in how someone sees things Mm. in their mind or perceives you in their mind. So it really is about finding those words. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the curi that's the curiosity part of me that I just love. I'm like, okay, what are the right words? What are people what are people saying? You know, and how can I reflect this back to them so they feel seen and understood? Yeah. Because language is such an important part of being human, of course. Mm. But at the same time, there's so much perception and assumption around certain words and what they mean, what we think they mean, what we think that our our audience thinks they mean what their actual literal meaning is. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's such an interesting thing. And I see, and you would have seen this in the years you've been in business now, the trends of certain kinds of words that then become like mass used. Yeah. And feel like they actually have no meaning and, and yes. kind of gloss on by. Yeah. yeah. But wh- how do we, I guess, come to the place where, we're using the language that does resonate with our, our audience, our ideal client community, but we're not falling into the trap of the jargon and the trendy mm-hmm. whatever the industry you find yourself in. Because I, like, you know, one example is when I think about some of the more well-known business coaches in certain parts of the world, when I'm watching someone's sudden brand evolution, the change mm-hmm. in their visuals, their imagery, imagery or their colours, and then the words they start using, it's like, oh, I see you who you started working with. 
Oh, really? It's like they adopt that persona rather than Mm -hmm. actually, you know, really stay connected to who they are, what matters to them, what's important, and their ideal clients, which are not Mm -hmm. the same as that coach or person that they're learning, mentoring with, whatever. Yes, absolutely. So how do we kind of stay in in that rather than get swayed by all the trends and the fun, fancy, funny kind of words that often make no sense at all. Yeah, no. Well, exactly. Well, I think like the first thing is to use plain language. And I know everyone is always like, oh, no, I don't want to use plain language. That's so boring. Yeah, so and also, like, we're, we're being told we need to stand out. If we use plain language, yes. are we standing out? Yeah. Yeah, you actually will stand out if you use plain language because everyone else is using all this wild jargon. (laughs) So, but I always say that, like, is Hemingway boring? You know, if you can encapsulate a really, um, so there's two parts of language or there's two parts to copy. There's the messaging, what you're saying, and then there's the how you're saying it. And the how you're saying it is always going to be best if it's in really plain language that's really easy for people to understand. But that doesn't mean that your message or your concepts have to be simple or like, you know, really dialed down. They can be really complex and interesting and thought-provoking, but they're going to be so much more powerful if people can understand them more quickly. So that's the balance that you're looking for. And I think the way to stand out is by provoking thought in people, not by using fancy flowery language that's like hacking through weeds. Or jargon. That's specific to your training or qualification or expertise. But the people that what you do, what you share, what you create is intended for don't know the jargon specific words. No, they don't. And the the key to that is to simply talk to those people or look where they're showing up in Facebook groups, Amazon reviews, Reddit threads, whatever it is, and see the words that they use and then use those words, use those same, you know, plain language words that they use to describe the thing that you're talking about. And you're going to come up with some amazing stuff. I guarantee it. I know one of my favourite places to go looking for the language my ideal people use is in the testimonials that I ask for and they provide. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. When you give them a kind of a little framework like I know I do and I'm sure you do because you like your little frameworks and surveys. Love it. Where were you before? What were you looking for? What did you do or learn or change, whatever? What was the outcome? How are you now? Like a really little formula to get a beautiful story and there's all the language. Yep. Yep, absolutely. There's all your messaging right there, right? And the exact words that you can use yeah. and weave into your headings or your body copy, you know, wherever it is. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Um, I remember, was it last year? It might have been, it might have been the year before now, writing like a, almost like a glossary of coaching terms. It's more mm. around probably business coaching terms, to be honest, because at the time I'd had a group of incredible women that were in a mastermind with me that were very savvy, like smart women who just liked it to be, say it as it is kind of thing. There was like, you know, sometimes a certain style of or type of person all kind of gets connected together in the same group. And they were all like that. And they, I remember one particular word, this is a word that gets used a lot in business programs and coaching programs. They're like, what do people mean when they say container? Come to my container. And one of them said to me, I feel like I'm going to be shoved in a plastic box and have a lid stuffed on on, on top. And, I, and it's like Tupperware, but not the kind that has the breathing hole, right? So that that prompted this kind of like, okay, let me kind of share my understanding from what I've seen about some of the terms that are commonly used in my industry but what they really mean, like let's get yes. plain English them, right? That was yes. just the start of it, but there was a lot of different things that came up. And, again, this whole industry-specific jargon that when you actually look at the word really doesn't mean much at all. Mm. And yeah. I think the thing is and where people um, often come to me and they're like, but, Susan, you're telling me to write really short, snappy copy and I can't do that without using these, you know, these jargon terms. I know you would. (laughs) I like to write Um, it. (laughs) But I actually think that it's not worth sacrificing um, clarity for length, you know, like always go for clarity first 
And then you can focus on, okay, well, what can I cut out? How can I make this shorter? But yeah, clarity is key. And the, when you're talking about containers and all these industry specific, <laughs> like copywriters can be the worst for it. So many copywriters talk about connecting and converting, right? Mm. Which is what, which is what we do. That is exactly what we do. Like we try to form an emotional connection with the user and then we try and get them to buy something, you know, even saying that is so much clearer than saying, oh, I'm going to connect and convert yeah. your clients because I don't, as a, as a reader or as someone who is not a copywriter, I don't, I don't know what that means, mm. you know? No, no, that's it. So, it's, yeah. it's so interesting, isn't it? How groups of people in industries or mm, totally. businesses or whatever end up on mass usually adopting a certain or some specific terms that to people outside of that space means nothing and I think the thing that people forget is often their ideal clients are outside of that space yes exactly so it's just like it's like like I said like that was my client I think I'm just trying to remember who it was it said that yeah she was an HR strategist so mm. spent time with business coaches and business mentors and people you know like you and I working with business owners all the in time in containers yeah in containers <laughs> high level corporate government kind of things it's strategy at that level for HR yeah. So, and I just, it cracked me up when she said it. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's never a word that made sense to me. And I, again, I, and I shared that article I wrote at the time. And I had a few people come to me and went, I like container. And like, that's fine. You can like it. It just didn't make sense to me. And when I had it pointed out like that, it really didn't make sense to me. So exactly. you know, say it for what it is. It's a group. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> just one example of many funny things that have come up for sure. For sure. So, I know your phenomenal Beyond Weird copy program gets rave reviews. Like I see you share them, which is great. Yeah. You're practicing yeah. what you teach. Yeah. And I'm seeing more and more copywriters taking it, which I think yes. um, is a very cool thing. And I know that you've also shared very openly that it's not just for copywriters either, is others that do come and take your course and learn to be UX. Um, I'm not going to say the word converted came to mind. I was like, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> just talking about but they become immersed in that ux experience right yeah which is amazing but for all the diyers out there all the business owners who were attempting at various levels of success to write their mm-hmm. own copy i think often from the feedback i've had through perception and perhaps reality that a copywriter is too expensive to invest mm-hmm. in so they go well, that's all right i can write I can string mm-hmm. words together. I passed English yeah. at school or whatever language is your first language. Yeah. So for the DIYers, what are the common mistakes that you see people making in their copy through that lens of UX? Okay. So I'm just like I'd like to give everyone like some quick wins that they can walk yeah. away with because there's more complex stuff that you can do as well. Of course. Always. Um, but some quick wins that people can do. First of all, with their website, this is something that I think everyone should do um, and hardly anyone does, is actually walk through it as if you are going to buy something from mm-hmm. yourself, whatever it is, whether that's getting in touch for um, a sales call or whether that's you know buying something off an e-commerce site. Actually go through that journey because that's what we talk about in user experience. We're not talking about reading from the top of the page and reading down the page and liking the way it all sounds. We're like, how does actually someone move through this mm. in a journey? Because people click around. Um, they're not just reading things top to no. bottom. In fact, they're barely reading down the bottom at all if you like most websites. So actually just going through that, clicking on the links. And are there any, is there anything missing? Do you need anything extra or can things be taken away? Can you streamline it in some way? Can you make it easier Mm. in some way? So I think just as a very easy little task that everyone can do, that's something that they can do and see if there are any opportunities there. You know, if you've got, um, you know, a free download that puts people on your um, email list, what's the experience like of that? You know, like sign up for your own thing. Exactly get your right. own sign up for your own thing. You know, see what it's see what that experience is like. Are there any kind of ways that you can make it easier, clearer, yeah. um, you know, more simple to get in touch and work with you? I think that's one thing that they can do. A little formatting thing that is my pet peeve um, is long blocks of text mm. that is all center aligned. You see it a lot on oh, long-form yes. sales pages yes. and it is just very hard for the eye to track back yeah, to different lines. It is much easier. What you need to do is just bring in the margins 
and left align it. So it still yeah. looks nice and neat in that single column, but bring it all over. Yeah. That said, long blocks of text in general are not great. No. You know, is there any way you can break it up with subheadings, bullet points, you know, these kind of things just to make it easier um, for think- people to skim we- down? We often don't realize until we find ourselves literally eyeball to, you know, looking at something, yeah. how challenging it can be to read some styles of writing. Whether oh, it's yeah, like script. All center, yeah, or the, the different fonts is a whole other thing entirely. Yeah. Really fine font. You mm-hmm. know? My eyes are like in their 50s now. They don't see yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Tiny font where I have to constantly kind of bring it out so I can see the size of it. Light colors on light colors, like oh, dark colors on dark yeah. colors, like all of the design stuff. But then, yes. if the words aren't actually aligned in a way that our natural eye is designed and trained through the way we read books at you know school and stuff to read exactly. left to right, and as you said, left aligned. Yes, exactly. So yeah. just like little little things like that. Another one that I see a lot in emails um, is just having the word here linked so it'll be like grab your free um i don't know seven steps to writing better ux copy here and then just the tiny little here and if someone's scanning that they're just going to see here they're not going to see the whole cta or the whole call to action you know so link the whole thing so they're just a few quick tips that everyone can quickly go and check Mm -hmm. and update and Come and DM me on Instagram and tell yeah. me you've done it. Yeah, that's a really great piece of accountability. And I think for anyone who just went into a complete state of overwhelm right then, just update things as you come across them. Like if you're reviewing a sales page for a program that you have hosted previously and you're just going to update it with a more user experience lens now that you know more about that and you've got feedback from the past participants that have taken it, and it was center aligned with big blocks of text. Now you can change it. Don't go and do it now if you're not going to use necessarily that sales page straight away. So, and yeah, the hyperlink thing I love. I remember someone saying that to me years ago, like don't just do the like the tiny word at the end kind of thing. Yeah, and also don't yeah. just bold the tiny word at the end so you think that makes people stand out because then they're even exactly. on here or whatever here. the word is, right? <laughs> Too funny. The um, years and years ago when I was still in corporate, I had a, a boss and I was in a senior project management role and she was obsessed with white space. All mm. of our like hundreds of pages of scoping documents and things, guides, manuals, work things that we, workbooks we would write and create as part of a project. She was always like, you need more white space. No one can read it. It's all smashed together. Like and even like the the distance between like line spacing and, and font size, she was so particular about, and I'm so grateful because I learned so much yes. that yes. stuck with me. And I make everything bigger in terms of a font size. I won't want anyone's eyes to strain to read it. <laughs> no, exactly. And especially when you consider mobile as well. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I th- It's so easy these days to check whether something is actually mobile responsive. Bring it up mm. on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, or just drag your browser across as yeah. well and see how yeah. it looks. Yeah, I know. So it's all these different things, hey? So much more. Okay, so what's your pet hate as a user? So think about your favourite things. I know, if, in fact, I think I saw, saw you share this in, in one of your emails just recently about your list of the things you're, you're ready to buy for Black Friday because we're right at that oh, time. Yes right so thinking about the things you've got on in your kind of you know your periphery Mm -hmm. if you like or in your vision to go and purchase what will be your pet hate that could turn you off buying from a particular place because of the lack of user experience aside from the the big lot lots of text and center aligned yes is there well I think and this is um this is something that happens quite a lot on e-commerce actually is when you go to buy and you're trying to put in your details and you can't so a pop up mm. pops up or something like that that you can't figure out how to make it go away on mobile well, or you know it you can't... pops up and then seems to hide so you can't even turn it off yes yeah yeah, yeah things like that you know that kind of thing will immediately make me go no, I'm not going to do it. And things, just not having like something a little bit more copy related, a little less design related. I mean, with UX, they really do overlap quite a lot. It's hard to talk about the copy without talking design. It's hard to talk design without talking about the copy. Um, But a little bit more copy related is 
if I don't have all the information that I need, if I don't know, for example, a lot of things on my list of Christmas presents, if there's no details about when I'm going to receive yeah, the yes, things, I won't times. buy them. Yeah. You know, delivery times. If I go to buy um, shoes, but then I have to go back two steps to find the sizing chart. Do you know, uh-huh. all these yeah. points of friction, not having the right information is what's going to turn me off buying. And it's a similar thing if you're selling, for example, a digital course, um, you know, but people don't, well, when do I get it? What's going to happen? Well, you know, the anxiety is, okay, I'm going to put in my credit card details. I'm going to click this button. Yeah. But then Am what? I going to get an email? But then what? Like, you know, so just making sure that everyone has the information they need when they need it so that they feel really confident um, yeah. buying. I feel even just in reflection thinking about that now as a business owner having we you know, I think we do most of our purchases on purchases online particularly when it comes to programs even working with coaches or mentors or copywriters or designers whatever we often like the actual transaction piece of handing over money is all digital these days yes and I find it interesting just in reflection now listening to what you're saying the variations of what you see on FAQs or like the kind of things you need to know, what people mm. think is actually what is best to include and how many actual answers, questions they have left unanswered. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm. And I mean a great, a great way, you know, just like you gave the advice not to rush out and like, you know, wildly update everything all in one turn mm. with your FAQs, just update them as you're receiving them, mm. you know. So when you're, when you're, when you've got a promotion on and someone asks you a question, you know, that is probably a question someone else also has, especially if you're getting it multiple times. So put it in the FAQ or even better, you know, incorporate it into the, into the copy yeah. above as well. Oh, I know. But yeah, I've, now I'm going to look at things like that in a whole different lens, just yet again, and going, oh, here's all the questions I have. None of those got answered, right? Like, yeah, it's funny. I also think there's a an acknowledgement there, and I like that you said where you get asked something multiple times, that if there's one person who asked you one question, that doesn't mean necessarily you have to go and update your FAQs with the answer to that question and the answer to that. If it's particularly if it seems to come across as very personalized answer yes. the question don't not answer it but it might not necessarily need to go in your <laughs> FAQ section right? yes no definitely there will always be and that's with any kind of feedback and I think that that's you know something that I think about quite a lot with the work that I do and the way that I put myself out there is you know the ego can take a bit of a battering because if you put yourself out there for feedback you're going to get it well that's it. <laughs> um, the way so someone likes like, to tell you every single yeah. one minute thing yeah yes and so i always accept it graciously and i always try to um leave it a day before making the decision about whether it's something i should take on because one of two things can happen either i panic and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to update this thing straight away. I can't believe I did that, blah, blah, blah. And then a day later, I'm like, actually, you know, that's just that person's opinion. That's not something I need to take on. No, or it. I go, who are they to tell me this? Don't they know that blah, blah, blah. And I like want to dismiss it. And then a day later, I'm like, well, actually, okay, maybe the delivery was off. But the but the content was actually really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So you're having that space between requesting receiving and actually actioning any feedback that you receive yeah particularly if you've asked for it um but yeah isn't it it's it's so fascinating the different things that become important to individuals and I know over the years with the kind of clients that I work with who are ambitious they want to achieve right they so they quality and standards are really important to them so they want to be giving the best that they possibly can the best kind of experience for their clients and they might have someone who becomes that person who nothing that they share or do or how they do it is ever right for that individual. Mm. And, that you know, they might end up in coaching, have a conversation going, should I change? Should I do like everything from the price to the way it's delivered to the way a support is provided to the resources, the name of a program. Had that mm. one come up recently with a client. She's like, someone just keeps telling me the name of a program is shit, I think was the word she used. <laughs> It was like one person amongst 30 and I was like listen to the masses take that person's feedback on but if it's one person and it's the same yeah. person it's not that it's not important listen to it but it doesn't mean that's the person to listen to to go and change everything 
Yeah. Yes. Business models. Yeah. No, no, because <laughs> someone didn't like that. Yeah. Listen to the masses. I love it. Now, you've just recently launched your new website. I have. Factor. Yeah. So excited. So what was that experience like? doing that through the lens of being a UX copywriter. Oh, man, the pressure. I can imagine. <laughs> so intense. I remember, remember <laughs> looking like, at your last. website has to be right? perfect. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah. And I, but I remember looking at your last website and that kind of just flowed for me. So I was like, yeah, how could you make it even better? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I came to realise, so I'm still going to keep my personal website, although that yeah. will be um, having an overhaul as well because I'm sort of pivoting um, in the way that I position myself. But what I really realised, Shannon, was that I was running two businesses. So I've got my client work, which is amazing and I love it. Mm -hmm. And I do, you know, things like this where I talk about what I do and I get up on stage and, yeah. you know, all that kind of good stuff. And I love that. So I was doing that part of my business. But then I also have like, you know, this amazing coaching program for copywriters or people that want to be UX copywriters, um, you know, and I'm developing more and more courses and resources there too. And I kind of came, it just was feeling too hard to talk about both of them on the same website. Okay. So I ended up in a very common situation, with a lot of online business owners, where I had um, landing pages built on ConvertKit, built on Thrivecart, mm -hmm. built on WordPress, you know, and they're all just sort of floating and satelliting and sort of mm -hmm. duct taped together. And it was fine when I was in the, um, you know, startup phase of my business. Yes. But ultimately I'm like, no, I need a refined online presence so I can really give this business my all, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's what the UX copywriter, so everyone can go to the uxcopywriter.com and check it out. Um, and it's an amazing. Um, oh, can you still yeah, I can. Sorry. That's all right. The earphones. Yeah. We've talked, we talked a long time. <laughs> <laughs> my earphones just yeah. uh, dropped out. Um, so it's a great website. Everyone can go to it, the uxcopywriter.com. And at the heart of it is this amazing blog because I just wanted to be able to help as many people as I could. Um, and I decided that I was going to do that through blog form. So I am every week uploading these incredibly helpful resources, but people can also download freebies. They can just come into my world and get to know me, get to know what UX copywriting is all about. And what having that um, one presence does is whenever I have an opportunity like this, I can just refer people to that one place instead right. of being here's a landing page for that, here's a landing page for this, you know, and always having to sort of bootstrap things together. It just feels so good to have like, you want to know what I'm about? Here's the URL. Right. It's, it's all here. There. I love it. And I think that there's a time in our evolution and maturity in business where this is kind of necessary. Mm. Those grown-up decisions about where our information is actually stored and to make it so easy for people to find it. Yeah. Totally. Make it easy people make it easy for people to find it, but also make it easier for you to run your business. You know, like having a really that good too. website, it's your it's like having an employee. You know, yeah. what job do you want to give your website? And that's what I wish more people would think about websites like instead of being like, "Oh, I need to have an online presence. It needs to like sound amazing." Be like, "Well, no, what do I actually want to outsource?" You know, and it doesn't have to be everything, but what can I give my website? What job can it do for me 24-7 in the background? Such a great thing to think about. I, I, far, I feel like people who are who have websites for their business, one or more, because I've got two as well, like one just for the Thrive Factor and then my Thrive Factor Co for coaching and everything, um, either tend to, particularly the DIYs, come in and constantly be updating and changing and refreshing everything like kind of like almost going through every page all the time, often in a reactive way, or they don't, mm. they don't touch their websites at all. Mm. So how do we find a happy medium if we are putting, creating and putting our own content onto our website, like UX lens, you know, excluded, but like, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's a, that's a really interesting question and I think it will be different for everyone I think it is good to every few years sort of audit your website oh, you know is it definitely. is it still serving the purpose and the job that I want it to do and if not 
then what updates do I need to make? Do I need a completely new site? Um, you know, can I get away with just refreshing a few things? Does the brand just need an update? Are the words still working? You know, all those kind of things. I think that's really good to do. I think going in and just tweaking a heading because you think something sounds better or because you saw something similar in someone else's site and you thought, oh, that would look kind of cool to do mm-hmm. that online. I feel like that's busy work that can distract Fair. from actually moving forward in your Take business. A lot of time, can't it? Just those mm. little tiny tweaks and stuff all the time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the more you pull that thread then, yeah. the more unravels and the more you start like tweaking and changing. Oh, of course. You know, right. You're not looking at it from that holistic journey sort yeah. of perspective. Yeah. I even did that recently with something, uh, a page that I had consciously and intentionally decided to make some updates on, like it was a all planned out thing, knew what it was going to be. And then all of a sudden I saw these, like a couple of spelling mistakes and a grammar mistake. This page has been live for a good couple of years. And I'm like, how did I not see that? Because I'm really like particular about those kind of things. Like, where did they come from? Like, I'm sure there's a gremlin gone in and changed stuff. Right. But again, then you're like, oh, do I need to check every other page on my website or every every blog post? And no, no, no. Let's no, let's get you don't. Yeah, no. Let's I make typos all the time. I'm like this rare words person that's like, life is too short to yeah, proofread. Literally, oh, right. you know, like I proofread, but not yeah. to that no. No. level. No. Copywriters all around the world are like clutching their pearls. I know, I, I know they are. I, know. I do not speak for all copywriters. <laughs> And I think also any authors that are listening, just wait till you, if you haven't yet, or if you have, you'll know you'll have had this. You publish your book, right? It's gone through so many sets of eyeballs, editors, like the the design, the like you've read it inside out, your teams are it, whatever. You've had people read it as a like sample chapters, whatever. And you get the print version, you even read through, which I, this is my process, read through that, check every single page for design, layout, words, right? It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. Then you put in the order to actually order them because people have bought them and then you find the, 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 like, the glaringly obvious, like it's got a big bright red line all over it, massive spelling mistake, usually in a like one of the early pages or somewhere really critical. Like what? where, where did you come from? <laughs> totally totally the good thing about writing for digital is it's always easy and it's easy to update totally that's the benefit (laughs) but also with typos I'm always like I know someone is gonna point it out to you the minute just put it on LinkedIn and you don't have to do any proofreading ever again (laughs) yeah true right I think maybe for my next I've got a little book coming out before the end of this year yeah just a little kind of journalist style one in fact, this is the first time I'm even sharing that. But for my next big book, which might be end of next year, early the year after, I'm doing kind of deep in the manuscript right now, which is usually a good two-year process. Mm. I might make even a competition of who can find and show me proof of the typos or spelling mistakes because we know it's gone through all the appropriate processes to make sure there are none and see which of them, and I even know which two archetypes are the two that are going <laughs> to dive straight yeah, into that, right? Yeah, because there are certain, you know, when I've received feedback around typos, if they're people that I know and I've profiled through the lens of the Thrive Factor, they always have one particular archetype. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, there you go, that, that she's come to light again. Hello. It's so very <laughs> funny. It's so funny. And it's good. We need those. We need people oh, we do. that are- hundred percent. That's what makes the world so great. And there's part of me that kind of almost like sits back for a little bit and goes, okay, which one of them is going to contact me first? Like it's a little <laughs> game that I play and I am grateful for the feedback, but oh, it's totally. how consistent some people are in having to give it to you. Um, it's funny, but I also thinking about the, the UX lens of copywriting and that, I guess, like connecting and converting, um, how valuable knowing your archetypes and therefore knowing the potential archetypes of your ideal clients has been for my clients because mm. when they were writing to a version of ourselves and I've shared this a lot that over about 14 years or so that I've been using the archetypes in my business and working with clients with them 60 to 70 percent of our own archetypes are highly likely going to show up in our ideal clients 
Mm. You're literally writing or speaking to a version of yourself. Interesting. Thinking about the jargon and all the, the like fancy language and all the things we talked about before, talk to you. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's a like immediate opportunity to have some user experience without someone kind of learning from you or hiring someone like yourself, Susan, to really take it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, right. totally. Oh, so fun. I've got some questions I need to ask you right now, though, that I ask all of our guests on the show. Yeah. The first one I'd love to know your answer to is what role does leadership play in your life and business? Mm, yes, I love this question so much. And I think it's something that has been a real focus in my business this year, um, although I might have phrased it differently. But really what this year has been about for me is about self-leadership, mm. following my own North Star and not letting myself get too caught up in comparisons and doubts. I think because I do put myself and my programs and my copy, everything out there, um, you know, it's easy to get sort of like pulled in one direction. So it's really about learning to trust um, myself and to know that I know where I'm heading and I can take everything in, but I can't be taken off course. So. Yeah, oh, that's so good. And yeah, and how often do we end up finding ourselves immersed in almost like somebody else's identity yeah. without actually realizing that we have gone off course and forgotten that we have a North Star that is actually there to guide us? Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. So, my friend, how do you know when you're thriving? Yeah, I love this question too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can tap into something very recent because I was on vacation not that long ago. (laughs) Um, So for me, I know that I'm thriving when I have time and energy to focus on things outside of my business. I'm someone when I'm under a lot of pressure, I will work harder. Like Mm. I am not someone that just naturally lights a candle, has a bar, like no. I'm all in. Yeah, Yeah. go all in, do more, work harder. Um, So I know that I'm really thriving when my life feels more in balance, when I'm surrounded by the people I love um, and when I'm doing work that really inspires me um, and when I'm really excited by the future, when I can see, when I've got my eyes up and not just just down. Yeah, it's like so many of us would have our own variation of that shared experience of, when there's deadlines, when there's pressure, when there's expectations from yourself and and perceived expectations or real ones from others, the kind of blinkers come up, right? And the narrow focus comes in and everything else gets abandoned, usually our self-care first. Yes, always. So, yeah, when we can, like you said, you open those up and have more space, yeah, it's a very different lived experience, isn't it? Right. And it's so important. That's what we're, well, that's what I'm in business for. I'm yeah. not in business just to build a business. I'm in business to have an amazing life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Remember why we started. Yeah, exactly. Conversation yesterday with someone who was going on about, but I don't know how. And I was like, stop focusing on how. Yeah. Why? And potentially what could the end experience look like? So you've got kind of a vision to work towards, but why is it important to you? The yeah. how will end up working itself out. Exactly. So much. All right. So if anyone is curious to know more, and I love you, we'll just say at this point in time, anyone who does end up following you on Instagram, which is I know is your kind of favorite place to hang out in social media. Yeah. Susan has a lot of very fun reels that you share. I love your reels. Like, oh, what she got down? <laughs> so, I'm such a dog. <laughs> I, I love it though. And that's you. And like, I think I can remember connecting with those early on when I kind of got to know you a little bit, but then getting to know you so much more on a much deeper way in this kind of more particularly this year with the, the stuff that we were doing with Annie. Uh, it's like, of course, of course that's you. Like it was just, of course, like <laughs> it's, it's you being your authentic self, which I love. So where, where do people go to get that experience? Yeah, well, now there's two social accounts you can follow me on. If you want to learn more about writing incredible copy, um, you know, that is super, feels really amazing to write and helps you get more sales and connect with your users in a really genuine way, you should come and follow the UX Copywriter. Um that's at Instagram. Um, and if you want to follow me and see the kind of podcast that I'm showing up on on the stages that I'm talking to or new things that I'm publishing, um, come and follow me at Susan Reoc underscore copywriter on Instagram. Also so we'll, at the Yeah. So we'll link those and the website and everything to or the websites, I should say, to the show notes. So it's easy for people to find you. So 
one of the things a lot of the guests that we have on the show end up having a, a resource that you can connect people mm-hmm. to. So you've got lots of great things you've created. What what have you got to share with us? Like, and then we'll make sure the link for that is also available. What's what's your kind of favorite thing to share for people who want to know more about UX everything? <laughs> Yes. Um, you know what? It's a little bit, no, okay. I've got two things. The yeah. first thing is I really think my newsletters are the best content you can yeah. get from me. They're super entertaining. There's always yeah. a lesson. I love how you can say um, that. <laughs> yeah, They're amazing. You should definitely sign up for those. So that just come and jump on my newsletters and you'll get my best content. There is also, if anyone um, wants what I talked about before about moving through your website and following the user journey. If anyone wants to become more intentional in doing that, or would just like a little bit of handholding with that, there is a resource that I've got. It's a free course. It's very small and bite sizes, three steps to it. It's called the micro copy micro course because micro copy are the little road signs that are on your website that point people in the direction that they need to go. So yeah. people can absolutely download that for free. It's great. There's lots of before and afters. Um, so you'll be really surprised, um, inspired. And I list out all the micro copy that's on your site in the beginning and you'll be shocked at how much micro copy you actually have so on your website. <laughs> I think one of my favorite places to look for interesting microcopy is on buttons. Oh. So, you know, when you go, you, you're about to buy something and it says buy here or click here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone says that. Yeah. But if it's like, you know, the, the answer to your dreams is on the, the other side of this button, I'm like, I'm in, right? <laughs> that kind of playful, fun, yeah. enticing, not what you expect to read. I love that you're doing that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I have for a time. I've invested uh, quite a number of of times, <laughs> excuse me, to work with or to learn from copywriters of different mm-hmm. kinds over the years because I love writing. There's no surprise to me that I ended up being an author. I love written creation, the whole experience of it. And I understood early on that just trying to DIY it all myself was not the way to do it. But also I had so many clients asking me, for kind of support for things to do with their content creation from a marketing perspective. And a lot of that ends up being their copy, your captions, all yep. that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know what? This is important to arm myself with enough to support my clients until we get to a point where I'm like, it's time for you to move to a copywriter, right? That's so I don't amazing. profess to be one, but I it fascinates me. Yeah. You know, how we use words, everything about that, and how we can be, yeah, fun and playful, engaging and show a personality. Totally. With our words. And I know sometimes I have to remember to bring my, I like bringing two of my archetypes and not let the other two who are usually the ones that are in charge of writing the words, one of them who the mental teacher is far more serious about getting the facts right, let her kind of ease off a little bit and let some of the creative, more colourful, inspiring stuff come forward. Yes, I've just I've just finished creating a resource all about that, Shannon. Actually, so that's love really it. Go. Look out for that in your newsletter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Before we say a final goodbye, there's one last question I'd like to ask you. Okay. What's a final piece of wisdom that you can leave for you know the ambitious, impact-making, legacy-driven, creating souls that are listening to us today? That are probably a lot of DIYs. I'm going to put it out there, ladies. If you're or gentlemen, if anyone gentlemen listening, if you're not, that's great. That's awesome. I've also have invested in copywriters. I don't just DIY everything, but a lot of us, I think, when we think we're clever, we just do it ourselves. But yes. what's a final piece of wisdom you can share with them? Copy related or well, anything that comes to mind. Yeah, I think, okay, I'm going to make it copy related then. I think when you're writing your copy, just always have in your mind, how would I say this to a friend that I really wanted to help? Mm. I feel like that's something that I always hold in my head when I'm writing copy for myself or whether I'm writing copy for a client. How would I communicate this? How would I just say this to a friend that was having this problem and I believe this was the solution? How would I tell them about it? Yeah. I think when you take that approach, you kind of sink more into your heart, don't you, than being in the intellect of what word do I need to put together? The layout and everything. How how long was that sentence? Have I written too much? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Of course. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad we got to do this. And um, listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope that there's been one, but I feel many things that you can take from our conversation today. 
and I say this often, if there is something that Susan said today that has really piqued your interest or got you intrigued, go and follow her. And, you know, I'm a, I love when I'm on podcasts. I love this one, but I love when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts. When someone reaches out and messages me and go, I heard you talk about, and I, and this is where. So go and DM her. She's very, very, aren't you? Very open to receiving yeah. this. <laughs> Answers them. Um, so let Susan know that you heard something and what it was and what you're going to do about it. Like take, take some action. Don't just go, well, that was a cool conversation. And now I feel like I've got a massive list. Write the list and do one little thing at a time. <laughs> right I love it thank you so much Susan thank you everybody I look forward to being back with you with a new episode very soon thanks for tuning into today's episode you are so valued and appreciated aside from this podcast my favorite place to hang out online is definitely instagram so come and join me shannon underscore the thrive factor and know my dms are always open for genuine questions and connections for all the latest thrive factor goodness visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links where you'll find more about thriving in life and business be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends let's amplify thriving the world over